what we're going to talk about this morning is game over. Game over is what we're going to be talking about this morning. So I'll pray that you brought your, your Bible turning fingers because we're going to go through some scriptures. Game over. In other words, game over. Now, right now, if you're in the States or even heck, even in Canada, man, they got the Canadian Football League going on. And they have the, the NFL going on. They have college football. And how many people know there's a start to the game and then there's an end to the game? But God is telling me to share this word with you this morning. And it's going to be a powerful word. So I, I pray that you came with ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts open and ready to receive the ungrafted word of God in the name of Jesus. It says this. It says this. He says for me to share this with you from the very beginning. Now, for most people, what they don't understand uh, about ministries and about churches Every church has the ultimate, the same goal, but they may not have the same vision. And they may not have, so if they don't have the same vision, they may not do things <clears throat> the exact same way. Prime example for, for Ignite, Ignite is a church that is, is apostolic. It is, it operates through the prophetic. And, it, uh, but the thing about it is our whole goal is to train up leaders. So yes, you're going to have uh, pastoral care. Yes, you're going to have different things that are going to be available to you, but it's not like your typical church. So if you're trying to compare how we flow to other churches that you may have been to or are you accustomed with, you may see that there's going to be some differences. And I mean, at the end of the day, my responsibility is I'm, I'm first committed to God and then I'm committed to to uh, what it is he's called me to do. Uh, so he told me to share this with you to let you know, this is how we flow. This is, this is what I'm called to do. This is how we operate in the land, which God has given unto us. He said to share this with you. He says, in accordance to Jeremiah chapter one, verse four, he says this, he says, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, alas, Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth because everywhere you, I send you, you shall go. He says, and that I command you and all that I command you, you shall speak. So wherever God tells me to go, I will go. Whatever God tells me to say, I will say no matter what, regardless of if it's the most popular thing out there right now, if, that, if that's the most comfortable thing for people, everywhere God says for us to go, that's where we're going to go. Everything that God commands us to say, that's what we're going to say. He told me, he says, do not be afraid of them. So I'm not afraid of you. For God says, I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Did y'all hear that? God has put his words into our mouth. So when God tells me, hey, I need you to go here and I need you to say this. I need you to go here and I need you to do this. I need you to go do this and I need you to say this. Whatever God says to say, whatever God says to do, well, that's what we're going to do. Why? Because we're submitted to God. We're submitted to God. We're submitted, to, submitted and committed to God. 
So after he said that, he says, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. Now, this is the assignment that I have as a leader here in, in, in this land and also as a leader of Ignite to train up others to assist and to help to where we can dispatch them to this land. We can dispatch them to this, knowing that they're only going to say what God told them to say. They're only going to do what God called them to do. In a, but see, God's not going to have you be in one place and the leader speak one thing and you be talking about doing something altogether different. You know what that's called? Divisions. It means two different visions about the same assignment. There's only one vision. There's only one vision at Ignite. There's only one vision at Ignite. Now, people may say a whole lot of different things, but there's only one vision. And that's the vision that God gave. And see, God doesn't, God gives it, he, puts, he places on the head, the head disperses it to the body. It's just like Christ. Christ is the head. We are his body. So Christ gets the information. He disperses it to the body and the body only does what the head is giving them to do. The body only does what the head, Christ is the head. We are his body. We do what Christ tells us to do, period, cut and dry, no matter what. So this is what he called us to do. We are to pluck up, we are to break down, and we are to overthrow. Overthrow what? Anything and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Whether it's arguments or theories or reasoning, whatever it is, it might even be traditional beliefs or whatever the case may be. Whatever it is that does not line up with the word of God, whatever it is, God says, this is the word I've given to this land. This is the word I've given to this house. And this is what I need you to carry out. That's what we're going to do. But we're, but we're not going to just pluck up. We're not just going to break down. We're not going to just uh, dis destroy and overthrow. We're also going to build and to plant. So God, whenever he comes into a situation, you've seen this with Jesus. Jesus went into the, into the, into the temple and they, was, they had turned it into a den of thieves. It was supposed to be a house of prayer. What did Jesus do? He overturned the money. Uh, money changers tables and everything but he spent the rest of the day teaching them building them up building them up building them up building them up to put a foundation underneath them to put things back in the right perspective to what it is god said it was supposed to be not you not me not our own opinion not what everybody else says there's only one head in this household there's only one head in this ministry and it is christ is the chief shepherd i am an under shepherd to him I, I submit and I'm surrendered to him. So he says, I have appointed you to do this and I have anointed you to go where I tell you to go and to say what I tell you to say and not to be afraid of what pe how people respond, not be afraid on, on whether people like it or don't like it. That is not my concern. I don't even concern myself with whether people like it or not. Hey, there may, be, there may be stuff that he's telling me to say. I may not even like it, but guess what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether I like it or don't like it. At the end of the day, if he says, this is what I want you to say, this is what I want you to do, this is what my word says, my response is simply, yes, sir. And I get in line with it. I make the adjustments to it. And that's what God is telling us to do in the body of Christ. The other thing I wanted to share with you this morning is this. I am God's mouthpiece. Uh, my desire is only to speak as accurately as possible, whatever word he gives me to say, 
whatever word of wisdom, whatever word of knowledge, whatever prophecy, whatever, whatever interpretation, only what it is that the spirit of the Lord says to say, that's only what I, I want to say. Whatever he says to teach, that's only what I want to teach. I, I never want to talk about anything. I never give you my opinion because my opinion, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, does not matter. Can I give you a word for you today? Your opinion, if it does not line up with the word of God in the proper context, does not matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, it, it was great. Oh, I, I'm glad. So, so-and-so said this too. That's great. Prophet so-and-so said that. Amen. So-and-so said it. That's praise God. That's good. But if God didn't say that to you, that's what they, that's what they heard. And you know, so, well, some people say, well, I'm not going to receive that unless I hear so-and-so say it. Then you are, you, what you're already saying is you are a respecter of persons and you have already put a, a ceiling on how far God can use you. He told me to share this with you. He says, in accordance to Matthew 10, 26, he says, therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that would not be revealed and hidden that would not be known. Now, a lot of times when people read this scripture, they talk about, oh, man, it's going to be great when so-and-so is going to be exposed. It's going to be great when all this is exposed. It's going to be great. But see, the thing about it with God is God is not a respecter of person. If God is seeing someone's life going off the rails, he's going to try to share and get words to that person because he loves that person so much. He wants to, he wants to get them back on the right course, but God can't force you. God won't force you. God won't make you. If you want to drive off a cliff at 140 kilometers per hour, he will let you do it. Even though that's not his desire for your life, even though that's not his will for your life, his will for your life is always good, but God will never violate. He will never violate. He will never violate your will. So he told me, he says, Therefore, do not be afraid. Don't fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. God said this to me many years ago. What I tell you in darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. So whatever it is God shares with me, he can wake me up at three o'clock in the morning. Hey, I want you to share this with my people. I'm going to do it no matter what. So if that is not what you're looking for, if you're not looking for somebody to be straight with you about what the things that God says, if you're not wanting someone who's going to speak forth whatever rhema or prophetic word or anointed word that he gives us, to, then this may not be for you. I love you. I thank God for you. But this may not necessarily be your flavor. But you know what? I'd rather I, this is what I told my pastor, I said, I'd rather you to tell me the truth and hurt my feelings to save my life than to pacify me, give me all kind of desserts and everything, seeing I'm about to run off a cliff. True love, love always tells the truth, no matter what. See, whom God loves, he chastens, he corrects, but he uses his word to do it. He doesn't beat you down. He doesn't put sickness and disease. He tells you the truth. And if you're being irritated by it, or if you're frustrated, are you upset about the case, then you need to go back to God and ask him, Father, why is this rubbing me the wrong way? Because I've done that. If somebody said if somebody's taught something or somebody did something and it rubbed me the wrong way, I didn't, I I can't call. I can't call Benny Hinn on the phone and be like, hey, Benny, you, you preach it. Man, why did you preach that word? I can't call him like that. I, 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 but why? One, he don't have time. And two, 
it, it's not necessarily the deliver. It might be how I received it. So I go back to God, Father, I, I heard so-and-so said, and I did this uh, about six months ago about something somebody taught. And I went to the Father, Father, what, man, mm, I heard what he said, but I, I didn't see it like that. Can you show me? Am I missing it? Is they missing it? If I'm missing it, correct me. If they missing it, correct them. If we both missing it, correct us both. But my job is not to try to go in and check, put somebody else in check. I'm not qualified to judge his fruit. I'm not qualified to judge him. I'm not qualified to judge him, nor are you qualified to judge anyone else. Because the same measure which you judge another, you shall be judged yourself. The father told me, he says, I'm telling you to tell them this. He says, because I told him in Habakkuk chapter two, he says to write the, and the Lord answered and said to me, write the vision and engrave it plainly upon tables and tablets that everyone who passes by passes may be able to read it easily and quickly as he hastens by for the vision is yet for an appointed time and it hastens to the end fulfillment it will not deceive or disappoint though it tarry wait earnestly for it because it shall surely come it will not be behind or uh, uh, on that appointed day so god gave a vision God said, this is what I've called you into this land to do. God says, this is the purpose in which I have you here. God says, this is everything I, I, I'm expecting you to do while you're in this land. Guess what? He never said, and if it's taking too long, give up and quit. If it's, if it's not looking the way that you think it should look, then uh, maybe you have missed me. No, he says, I've given you a vision now, write the vision, make it plain so that when people see it, they'll be able to read it, they'll be able to run with it, and then they can and see, this is the reason why we put all these things, and this is why he's telling me to tell you all this now. He says, because there's so much is that is on its way that's about to happen, you need to make sure you have people who you know who are, who are truly, truly sold out to, to the vision and also sold out and, and committed to you. See, the Lord shared this with me, and I'm going to share it with you. There's four types of members in every church. There's four types of members in your church. There's four types of members on your job. There's four types of members in your family. These four types of people resist exist in every area of your life. Anytime you have more than one person, anytime you have teams or anything else, anytime, even if you have players on the same football team, basketball team, baseball team, hockey team, you're going to have at least one of these four types of people on that team. And if and these are the four types, I'm going to give you a name. The first one are what's known as confidants. Confidants. Confidants are people who are committed to you and your vision. They're committed to you and your vision. They might see that there may be areas in your see that, you know, hey, you know, there are some things about that person I don't necessarily like. There might be some things I don't agree with, but you know, I'm committed to the vision. I'm committed to that individual. I'm going to ride with them. I'm going to ride with them because this is where I believe God has placed me at. That That's the first type of, first type of uh, relationship or first type of member. It's called a confidant. Okay. Now there's a second type of member. The second type of member is what's known as a constituent, a constituent, a constituent is somebody who 
who are committed to your vision, but they're not committed to you. You see that in politics. That's why they call it, you know, my constituents, your representatives. You're committed to the vision for what that person stands for. And I mean, that's something really prevalent going on here in Canada right now, um, seeing that we have an up upcoming federal election next week and you want to make sure that you vote for that you know they have early voting right now so you really need to be praying over that election because that election is is is, is so going to be so impactful for what it is that's about to happen here in the nation of canada you don't want to sleep on it so you have what's known as constituents they are committed to your vision but they're not committed to you at all how do you know that? Because if somebody comes along with a vision similar to yours, who they like more, they will drop you like a bad habit and they'll go join them. They're not committed to you. They're only committed to your vision. A confidant is committed to you and your vision. A, a constituent is only committed to your vision. Then you have a third type of person. A third type of person, we call them your Conrad. Now your Conrad is this. The Conrad is a person who is committed to your cause, but they're not committed to your vision and they're not committed to you. They're committed to your cause. If you have a, if you have something against, you know, you don't like the fact of how they are with your government is treating you on a particular issue. That person will stay, they will ride with you. They will ride with you until that cause is over. But once that cause is over, they will drop you like a bad habit. Or if you begin to lead in a direction which they don't agree with, Guess what they're going to do? They will, they will, act, uh, in football, they will say, hey, I want to trade. In other words, I want to get away from this individual and get on somebody else's team so that I can, can I can continue this fight, this cause. And they, they are usually very, uh, Conrad's are usually people who, who are, because they are not committed to a vision, they are not committed to the individual. What they will do, they will bounce from house to house, from place to place. You, they never let any grass grow under their feet because once the, the the cause is over, then they stop dealing with you, they stop interacting with you, and they'll go somewhere else. So up to this point, you've heard about the confident, you've heard about the constituent, and you've heard about the Conrad. But there's one last person. And this is the one, mm, this is the one, this person here is what we call the con man. The con man is this, that person is not committed to your cause. They're not committed to your vision. They're not even committed to you. That Conrad, I'm, I'm sorry, that con, uh, the, the uh, con man is only into it because they see that there's, there's some, they, what kind of benefit they will be able to get from it. See, they only see you as a tool to be used to get them to where it is that you want to be. So if they see you as only a tool, they will use you up. And as soon as they use you up to get to where it is that they want to be, all of a sudden, uh, the Lord is telling me it's time for me to move on and go somewhere else. Or what they will do is they will begin to start something and they will use your resources to be able to start it. As soon as it gets some feet under it, they will drop you like a bad habit. That's the con, man. And see, the danger with, with all this, and the reason why the Lord is having me sharing with you, because a lot of times we have treated con men, we have treated uh, uh, conrads, and we have treated constituents like they confidants. 
with us, we, this is how we operate. We don't, we don't, we never promote a novelist. In other words, somebody who's, they may not, they might be new to the things of God, or they might be new to you. I don't know you well enough to promote you. So what am I going to do? I'm going to give you a period of time and I'm just going to watch you. I don't care what you say. You can be said, pastor, I'm with you. I'm with you here. I'm right or die with you. Pastor. I'm going to be here to, to Jesus get back. I already know you on your way out the door. Because people who really believe that way, they just do it. They do it in, when they're really a confidant. A confidant, you don't have to tell a confidant, hey, man, I need help in this. Because that confidant is already praying for you, walking with you, holding hands with you. And they gonna, and if they see your hands get down low, they're going to pray for you. They're going to ask you, hey, is there any way we can help you? Is there anything we can do in the ministry? Is there anything we can do on this team to make sure that we as a team all when now what will, what will a constituent do a constituent will say hey part of the vision is to do this so as long as you're doing this part of the visions man i got you i got you i got you but not because of you but simply because they believe in the vision that you that you have presented and then your conrad that your conrad they are they are only committed to the cause your cause is you know you're against uh, 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 mothers, you know, uh, who are, who have lost their children or whatever the case may be, or, you know, your, you know, your cause is to feed the homeless or whatever. So they will ride with you as long as you're doing that thing. But as soon as that, as soon as that situation is over, they will, they will dip on you and they won't even tell you that they're gone. They will just leave and they buy. The con man, you got to watch him because the con man looks like a sheep, tries to bed like a sheep. But if you watch the comment close enough, you'll see that thing fly up every now and then. Why? Because they're not in it for anything else but other than what it is that they can get out of it. So you got to understand this. People see through the lenses of whatever glasses they have on, even when their glasses are wrong. So people only see through the lenses of the glasses uh, that they have on, even if the glasses that they're looking through are wrong. How do you know this? And according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, he says this. He says, he says, for though we walk or live in the flesh, I'm reading out an amplified version, though we walk or live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Strongholds are fortified patterns of thinking. It's how people see things. It's how people perceive things. It's how people respond to things. So you can be telling them everything that the word of God has to say, because we started talking about this last week about spiritual blindness. They, you could be telling them everything that the word of God has to say. You can tell them what God has done for them. You can tell them what Jesus has done for them. And you can tell them all those kind of things. You can tell them that God heals, God delivers, God sets free, whatever the case may be. And people, because of their own fortified patterns of thinking, our strongholds, our glasses that they have on, will still see but not see. They will hear and not hear. And because they can't see it, because they can't hear it, they will not receive it, even if 
they're in the body of Christ. It does not matter. People say, well, I'm in the body of Christ. I know these things. I understand these things. All these things. I've heard all this before, but just because you've heard it, I, I had a great meeting with a friend of mine this weekend, uh, this week, just because you heard it doesn't mean you're doing it. It doesn't mean you're doing it. Until you begin to do it, it doesn't matter how many times you've heard it. And that's where the deception comes in. People are, de- God says, people are deceived because they've heard it, but they're not doing it. He says, when, you, the, when you're uh, uh, throwing off in destruction of fortified patterns of thinking, you're refuting all arguments, all theories, all reasonings, and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. So even if you believe, hey, this is what I see the situation is, but the word of the Lord says, this is what it, this is what's really going on. I heard what it is that you said, but I don't believe that that's what you said, that it, what it is. This is what I believe that it is. Well, what you're saying is my theory, my reasoning, my argument, I'm, I'm exalting it higher than what it is that the word of God had to say about the situation. So now I have a stronghold that prevents me from seeing things the way that God says that they are. Even though, even though I'm in the body of Christ, even though I, I, I've heard the word come forth, I don't receive it. And that, and unfortunately, that happens more and more than what you think. And, and, and you know, the interesting thing about it is you could, most of the time when that, those decisions are made, people say, well, they make the decision after they leave church. No, they did not. People make the decision of whether or not they're going to receive what it is that you're saying or not while they're sitting in the seat in a congregation. And it's written all over their face, even though they can't tell that they got that look on their face. It's written all over their face. They could be saying amen, and in their heart, their heart is far from it. They don't believe anything, or they've heard what you said, but they don't believe, they don't, they won't receive it. They won't receive it. And that's that's called having guarded thinking, meaning that I only see things, I only receive things the way that I my perception based off of my perception and how many people know, including myself, how many people know that your perception can be wrong. And in a lot of cases, your perception about the situation is wrong, but because you refuse to turn, because you refuse to allow God to shift you, you stay stuck in that same situation. And you, and you're frustrated and you're mad and you're bent out of shape and you don't know what to do. And all this, and people start saying this Bible stuff don't work. The word works if you are worth the word, but you got to work the word based off of how God told you to do it, not based off of how you reasoned in your own mind, are you heard so and so say this about their situation? So that's got to be about your situation. No, no two situations are exactly alike. No two situations are exactly alike. Man, I've had people. Def- I've been defriended, unfollowed, uh, all kind of stuff. Why? Because we said what the word of the Lord said about the situation, and people didn't like it because it went against what it is they thought they believed. They it went against what it is they thought they received. And so they, man, I don't even want nothing. To do. I don't want to hear nothing. I don't want to see nothing, blah, blah, blah. You know what we do? We love on them anyway, man. I love you. Hey, can we have coffee on Thursday? For me, it's not personal. Whether you, if you never receive what it is that God says through, says to you based off of the word of the Lord, that's between you and the Lord. I don't get upset about it. Not at all. Zero. 
zero. Zero. I have family members who 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 may not even be walking with the Lord. I don't, you know what, you can't be my family no more. They're crazy. How are you going to win the world if you never interact with the world? Now, I'm not talking about going hanging out clubbing with them or anything like that, but you still can love on them. You can love on them. You can love on them. Now, why is God having me to say all this to you this morning? Because he said it's time for you to wake up out of your sleep. He said the church has been asleep. And this is what he says in accordance to Romans chapter 13, verse 11. He says this. He says, besides this, you know, I'm reading out of the Amplify, what a critical hour this is. And if you don't know that this, this is a critical hour in, in Canada or you don't know this is a critical hour in the United States or all over the world. for that, if you don't realize this is a critical hour, you are asleep. He says, and how it is high time now for you to wake up out of your sleep to uh, to rouse to reality in other words you have become very complacent about the things of god you have 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 gotten to the point where you're just comfortable is my four and no more it don't matter everybody else can go to hell but my four and no more we already good so we good I, or i bet yet i'm already saved so if you ain't saved that's god gonna have to send somebody else god did somebody send somebody he sent you he sent me and our responsibility is to make known the gospel of the kingdom of God all over the world. He says this, he says, for your salvation, your final deliverance is nearer to us than when we first believed, adhered to, trusted in, and relied on Christ, the Messiah. Who is Paul writing this letter to? Is he writing it to the world or is he writing it to the church? Well, if you said he's writing it to the church, you answered right. He's writing this letter to the church. People who are already saved, people who already made Jesus their personal Lord and Savior. He's writing this to the church and he's telling the church, you need to wake up. He also goes on to say this. He says, he says, the night is gone and the day is almost here. So let us drop. Fling away the works and deeds of darkness. So he, Paul is telling the church this. He's telling us, hey, the day is, is coming. It's almost here. So you need to put off, you need to fling away, throw off any deeds of darkness uh, and works. He says, I need you to put them away. He says, I need you to take off one and put on what? The whole or full armor of light. So Paul is saying, hey, Take off that old stuff. Take off those things that you knew before. Take off the old mindset. Take off that old way of thinking. Take off that way of acting, that way of believing. He said, I need you to put those things away and put on the armor of light. He said, let us live and conduct our lives honorably and becomingly as in the open light of day. In other words, whatever, whatever what the deeds that we do, we should be living as if we're always living in a day that anybody and everybody can see what it is that we're doing. Because sometimes how many people know that, you know, things that you do out in the public are not necessarily the things that you do while you're at home. All of us have things that we have have done uh, in secret that we have we would not do in the daytime. But God, is, but the, the spirit of the Lord is saying today, I need you to put off all those deeds of darkness, all those little secret things, all those little hidden things and put on the armor of light. He goes on to say this. He says, I want you to. Uh, 
Glory to God. He says, clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. When are you supposed to do that? Every single day. How do you do that? Father, right now, I pull down, I throw down any arguments, any reasonings, any theories, anything which exalts itself above what it is your word says. Father God, I repent of any acts of darkness, any, any, anything that has gone against you or against your word. Father, I repent, I acknowledge of it right now in the name of Jesus, and I put on the arm of life. I'm clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ, and I do it right now in the name of Jesus. When do you do it? Every single day. When, whether you're in your house, out of your house, whether you're going to work or not going to work, whether you're going to the grocery store. In other words, when people see you, they should see Christ Jesus wrapped on, upon you, Christ, the hope of the glory in you, that they will ask, man, what is it that causes you to do what it is that you do? Why um, are we telling this? Because you need to wake up out of your sleep and out of your slumber. Why? Because the hours here is a lot closer than what most people think. Are you listening to me? Glory to God. He goes on to say this. Uh, he's saying the reason why I'm also telling you these things, he says, is because you have become like little, many people in the body of Christ have become like little children. In accordance to Ephesians chapter four and 14, it says this, and read again out of the Amplified. It says, so then we may no longer be children tossed like ships, to and fro between chance gusts of teaching and waverings with every changing wind of doctrine. In other words, you like a little child. You know, you know, uh, June and I used to watch this movie called Up. And in that movie, they have this dog and his dog, he's a trained dog. But one the, every time he sees something that uh, comes along, it's a distraction. He's like, squirrel. I mean, and he and then he loses focus on what it is that he's supposed to be looking at. And he runs a little bit more squirrel. And I mean, he keeps losing focus. Every time something comes up, he's distracted. He's distracted. He's distracted. He's distracted. And he says, that's the same thing that's happening in the body of Christ. You got people right now, they hear the word of God and, and the whole nine yards, but that they, they have this other thought. They have this other theory. And this person said this, and this person said this, and this, and he says, and you're like a little child. He says, you're pulled in all kinds of different directions. And you think that you right on point. He says, but that's the deception because the deception will tell you, man, you, 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 man, you are progressing. You on your way. The world believes that the church is regressing and the world is progressing, but that's opposite. The church is progressing and the world is regressing because everything that you see going on in the world today, you don't even have to go that far. All you got to do is crack over, open that BLBLE, AKA the basic instructions before leaving earth manual and it will show you that everything that they think they're doing right now that is new and it's creative and nobody's ever did it like this it's been done before even some of the styles that are out right now people say man this is fly this is fresh go back a few years it's been out before skinny jeans not nothing new not nothing used they used to wear them way back in the 60s i'm told i don't know but he's saying don't be tossed about like little children. You're bouncing from here. You're bouncing from there. You're becoming the prey of the cunning and cleverness and unscrupulous man. Gamblers engaged in every shifting form of trickery in inventing errors to mislead. Their whole goal is to mislead. And if you're being pulled here and you're being pulled there. I mean, you know, one time I was tempted on a Sunday morning with a here in the congregation, I was going to say, okay, 
I'm going to call each one of you up one by one, and I want you to be to share with me what you learned from last week's message. And I think I said, hey, you always need to be ready. When I said that, boy, I tell you what, the air was sucked out of the room. What? You need to always be ready because you might be called on at any time. And see, I don't want you to tell me what so-and-so said. I want you to tell me what did God say to you concerning the word of the Lord that came through the, the vessel the week before? If you can't tell me what's going on in your own land, you like one of these little children that's being tossed to and fro. And when I say your land, I'm not talking about the entire nation of Canada. I'm talking about in your physical land that God has assigned you to. I'm going to share this word of the Lord. I told you all that to build you up to this part right here. All that talking about what the vision is, all that talking about what our assignment is, all that talking about the, the different types of members in the church, all that talking about how people see things through the lenses of, the, of, the, of their own perception, even if their perception is wrong, and how it's time to awaken out of your sleep and out of your slumber because the time is coming, and how not to be like little children tossed to and fro, because this is what the word of the Lord said the beginning of the week this past week. He says, stop playing the harlot i said what he says i want you to tell my the body of christ to stop playing the role of the harlot and i said what is a harlot a harlot is someone who is based off of their unfaithfulness and disobedience to god you play the role of a harlot when it, through uh, your unfaithfulness and your disobedience to God. And it didn't say you rejected God in every area of your life. It says, but there are areas of unfaithfulness and there are areas of disobedience to God. And this is what he said. He says, my people have played the harlot with the world, meaning that they've given themselves over to the world's way, ways and uh, um ideologies and have abandoned my way of doing things. He says they are so wrapped up in the world system and ways of doing things and have not given ear to the ways I've given them to follow. They no longer seek after my way of doing things unless all other methods they have tried have failed. And I'm their last result when I was supposed to be their only source. He says, they're not committed to anyone other than advancing their own plans and agendas, even if it means ignoring all that I have told them to do. They're busybodies and can't sit still in one place, but, but are constantly going from one place to another, one church to another, one speaker to another, and are convinced that I'm leading them and I'm not. They're ever learning, but never coming into the knowledge of the truth. But I'm calling them to repent and return to their first love and get back into the place where I've told you to be and get back in the land I've told you to be and get back to heeding the instructions and teachings I've given to you. He says, you can't play the harlot and expect me to bless it. It won't happen no matter how much you ask me to for it 
asked me to, for it goes against my plans, purposes, and pursuits for the land I've sent you into. So you have to decide once and for all, who are you rolling with and who are you submitted to? You can't say you're submitted to me and not do it, uh, do it my way in the place I've placed you. It doesn't happen that way. Neither is that how things work in the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it already is in heaven, says the spirit of grace. So he said, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. He says, say that again. Okay. I'm going to say it to you again. He got, that's what he just said. He said, because some people didn't catch it all. My people have played the play the harlot with the world, meaning they've given themselves over to the world's ways and ideologies and have abandoned my ways of doing things. They are so wrapped up in the world's systems and ways of doing things and have not given ear to the ways I've given to them to follow. They no longer seek after my way of doing things unless all other methods have, they have tried have failed, and I'm their last result when I was supposed to be their only source. He says, they're not committed to anyone other than advancing their own plans and agendas, even if it means ignoring all that I've told them to do. They're busybodies and can't sit still in one place, but are constantly going from place to place, one church to another, one speaker to another, and are convinced that I'm leading them and I'm not. He says, they're ever learning, but uh, never coming into the knowledge of the truth. But I'm calling them to repent and return to their first love and get back into the place where I've told you to be and get back in the land I've told you to be and get back to he heeding the instructions and teachings I've given to you. You can't play the harlot and expect me to bless it. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Glory to God. No matter how much you ask me to, for it goes against my plans, purposes, and pursuits for the land I've sent you to. He says, so you have to decide once and for all, who are you rolling with? And who are you submitted to? He says this. He says, you can't say you are submitted to me and not do it my way in the place I placed you in. It doesn't matter. I'm, I apologize. It doesn't happen that way. Neither is that how things work in the kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it already is in heaven, says the spirit of grace. So God is calling us to a place of repentance. God is calling us to repent. God is calling us to return. God is calling us to restore. I'm going to read this. I got a couple more minutes and then we're going to be finished here. He says, repent, return, restore. Jeremiah chapter three, Jeremiah chapter three. And it says this, uh, I think I'm in verse 12. It says, go and proclaim these words towards the north where the 10 tribes have been taken 
as captives and say, return faithless Israel, says the Lord, and I will not cause my continents to fall and look in anger upon you. For I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not keep my anger forever. Only know, understand and acknowledge your iniquity and guilt that you have rebelled and transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your favors among strangers under every tr green tree and you have not obeyed my voice says the lord return O faithless children of the whole 12 tribes says the lord for i am lord and master and husband to you i will take you not as a nation but individually one from a city and two from a tribal family and i will bring you to zion i and i will give you spiritual shepherds that's what a pastor is, a spiritual shepherd after my own heart. See, as a pastor, there are many pastors, but not every pastor is a pastor after God's own heart. I didn't specify it like that. That's what the Lord just said. He says this. He says, I'm going to give you spiritual shepherds after my own heart in the final time who will feed you with knowledge and understanding and judgment. So my responsibility in the office when I'm operating as a pastor is to operate and give, feed you with knowledge, understanding, and judgment. And it shall be that when you have multiplied and increased in the land in those days, says the Lord, they shall no more say the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It shall not come to mind, nor shall they seriously remember it, nor shall they miss or follow, visit it, nor shall it be repaired or made again. For instead of the ark, which represented God's presence, the ark of the covenant represented God's presence. He, God him, he said he will show himself to be present throughout the city. In other words, instead of the ark, God's presence being in the Ark of the Covenant, God's going to make his presence inside of you. He's going to make his presence inside of me. And one last scripture, and this is, this is where we're going to close. Because someone is saying, but that's, he was talking to the children of Israel. Well, let's bring it up a little closer. Paul was talking to the church of Rome after Jesus went to the cross. God is talking to the children of Israel about what's going to happen in the final time. But this is what Jesus was saying in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, to a church. Remember, he spoke to seven churches, and he gave each one of them a word. And this is the word he told me to share with you today. And this is where we're going to end. He says it's time for a change. He says this in, in Revelation 3, chapter verse 14. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, which says this. Write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Laodicea. For these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know all that you do. And I know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. What is that called? You're complacent. You're complacent. How I wish you were either one or the other. But because you are neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, 
I am about to spit you from my mouth for your claim. I'm rich and getting richer. I don't need a thing. Yet you are clueless that you're miserable, poor, blind, barren, and naked. He's talking to a church. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. So I counsel you. Now, Jesus, I love Jesus because Jesus always, he, he, see, this thing, he never just tells you what the issue is without giving you the solution. And also give me, well, once he gives you the solution, there's also a reward tied to your return, tied to your repentance, tied to your restoration, if you will, but obey. He says this, so I counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire so that you can truly be rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness. What is he talking to you about? Remember we said in Romans chapter 13, you're going to put off the deeds of the darkness and the works of the darkness, and you're going to clothe yourself with the armor of light, and you're going, and you're going to clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. He says, purchase salve to uh, placed on your eyes so that you can truly see. What is he telling you? What do you have to do so that you can open your eyes? Remember, people see based off of their own perception. So he's telling you, you've been seeing things one way, but I'm telling you how to turn this situation around. I'm telling you what you need to do in order to get right back in the right place you were before life ever happened to you. What did he tell him? Purchase the saw, eye saw, to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see. All those who clearly love, listen to this, listen to God's motivation, Christ's motivation, so you can hear my motivation for sharing this with you. All those I dearly love, I unmask and train. Can I tell you something? All those who I love, I will unmask things so that we can train you. Why? Not because we want to beat you down, because there's no condemnation in, in Christ. There's no condemnation at Ignite. None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. It's because we love you so much. We want to get the, get the truth of God's word to you. So what does he tell him? I'm telling you all the things, and this is why I'm telling you all the things. So this is what I'm telling you to do. So repent and be eager to pursue what is right. Behold, I'm standing at the door. He, stand, he told me to tell you this morning, he says, I'm standing at the door. I'm standing at the door of your heart. And he says, and I'm knocking. Now you're talking about a church, but Jesus said, but I'm still standing at the door of your heart. I'm still standing at the door and I'm knocking and I'm knocking and I'm knocking and I'm knocking. He says, now, if your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within I will come into you and feast with you and you shall feast with me. Did y'all miss that one word there? If. If your heart is open, if you are open to open the door, if you will allow me to come in, then I'll come in and I'll feast with you and you'll feast with me. Guess what? You still are the deciding factor. He doesn't make that decision for you. 
You decide whether or not you're going to allow him to come in. You decide whether or not you're going to open up your heart to receive. You're deciding. You're the one who's going to decide, man, I've heard everything that you said. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. But I'm still going to make the decision. I'm, not, I'm still going to do it my way. Now you can't say, I don't know, because God says, I brought this word to you this morning so that you would be able to hear. You would be able to hear. Glory to God. He says, and to the one who conquers, I will give the privilege of sitting with me on my throne, just as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. The one who has ears is open. The one who has whose heart is open. The one whose heart is open. The one whose heart is open. Let him listen carefully to what the spirit is saying now to the churches. So he's laid out the case this morning. Don't play the role of the harlot. Game over. The game's over for, for when you was running with the team of the harlots. He says, now get back, get back, take off that old stuff. Take off that old, those old clothing. You said, well, I'm not, I'm not doing it like I used to. Not in every area, but there are areas. Remember, we even show here, if your thoughts or reasons or theories exalt above what it is God's word says, then you have lifted it up above and you can't, you're not able to receive. You're not open to receive. But Jesus said, I'm still knocking. I'm still knocking on the door of your heart. Will you let me in? Will you open up your heart and let me in? Will you make a decision to clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you make the decision to take the eye solve and wipe it on your eyes so that you can see, get, get spiritual Q-tips and get the wax out of your ears so that you can hear? Will you make a decision to do that today? The word says this in Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10. It says the word of God is near you. It's in your heart and in your mouth. That's the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the mouth, man believes unto the righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made. And with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. So are you going to make that decision today? Are you going to make a decision? Are you going to make a decision to open your heart? Are you going to make a decision to repent? Are you going to make a decision to return so that he can restore? Are you going to make a decision to say, hey, guess what? Game over. Game over. This game's over. I have played my last game. I played my last hand of with the, with the world. I've made, I made a decision to stop following my own way. I'm going to submit First to God. See, because if you don't submit to God, you will never submit to a man or a woman. Remember, you're either the confidant, you're either the constituent, you're the conrad, and God forbid you be the con man. Those days is over. God is looking for is making is is looking for real decisions from his people. Why? Because when you see what's coming, you're not going to have time to try to get ready. You need to already be ready. Because when God is going to make his expression in the earth, he's going to make his appeal in the earth. He's going to make it through you. He's going to make it through me. He's going to make it through the body of Christ.
So if you'd like to, to make that decision with me today, we'll give you an opportunity. If you never made Jesus the Lord of your life before, we want to give you an opportunity to do that as well. If you had Jesus the Lord of your life, but you know you haven't really been living that life yet, you have, you have a relationship, but you don't have a fellowship, we'd like to get you right on that as well. Or if you know you've been backslidden and you have been unfaithful to God, not being obedient to what he told you to do, not being where he told you to be, not, not submitting to those who, who's placed an authority over you. Again, just because you sit in someone's church does not mean that person is your pastor. How do you know that your pastor or not? They can give correction and you will receive it and not buck it. Now, does everybody give proper correction? No. But when they love you for real, for real, they tell you the truth, even if it means you may potentially walk away and never come back again. I love you enough to tell you the truth, no matter what. No other agendas. And if I see if I see things and if I see stuff, I just I go to God. And I pray for you and I stand with you until you until you come out or until you just make a decision i don't want nothing else to do with it even you can leave today and guess what we still gonna pray for you why because we made a decision to love you no matter what so that being in mind and you're gonna say game over today repeat this prayer after me dear heavenly father in the name of jesus i do believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. I believe he was put in the grave, but now he's risen. He's alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. I repent of sin, Lord. I'm sorry. And I accept your offer of forgiveness. Father, I repent for being disobedient to your word. I repent of being lukewarm. I repent, Father God, of not being faithful and not being obedient to you. Father, I receive your forgiveness right now. Right now, I'm born again. Right now, I'm brand new. Right now, I've taken off the works and deeds of darkness and I put on the armor of light. And right now, I'm clothed in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, we want to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you, welcome you, welcome you to Ignite. Man, I tell you what, you made the greatest decision that you could offer ever made but this is only the starting point now what you got to do is you get the next step is to get in a good bible-based church that will teach you about the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ and how to operate according to the kingdom of god we believe here at ignite that ignite is that church for you understanding that our mission is is to not only to plug pluck up pull down break down but our, we also plant and we build so there's a there's a turn down and then there's a building up. We tear down the old and restore something brand new. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And that's what we do here at Ignite. So we invite you to join us here every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, what, if you're in the city of Ottawa, city of Greeley, or you look close, man, we invite you to drive on by, stop by. We love to have you join us. If you're in another province or you're in another land, 
Uh, we have people from all over the world tuning in in this broadcast. I listen to the podcast. Hey, if, if that's you, man, tune in every Sunday morning at 9.30 Eastern time uh, so you can catch this word. Or if you want to catch it on a podcast, our podcast on Apple and on Spotify is called Ignite the Number Two Life. Ignite to Life is our podcast. And you can catch this and many more uh, previous messages. And you can catch it on the YouTube channel. You can catch it on Facebook, whatever uh, platform you're using. Man, whatever you do, don't disconnect. On behalf of the entire Ignite Nation and on behalf of Minister Jewin and myself, we want to thank you for watching today. Have a blessed day. Know that we love you. God bless you. Bye-bye.